0: Amen. Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. Um, hope y'all have had a great week. I'm gonna, I'm actually going to do uh, a part two this morning of the call according to his purpose. You know, last week we talked about, you know, what we were called. We were talking about, you know, people in the Bible actually, you know, when God would call them to do something, he would change their name. He would change their name so that every single time somebody said, hey, you know, father of many nations, that they would go, I only have one or two kids, but they are going to make nations. So it kept their faith going. It kept their ability to see what God was calling them to do. You know, Abraham, he couldn't have kids up front. Well, then he ends up having Ishmael, and he ends up having Isaac, right? So we we see that he has two kids, but he didn't produce millions of kids. No, God was telling him that his offspring, his children and his children's children, and his children's children's children, and so on and so forth, would just continue to expand. But that was that was a part of his name was Exalted Father, Abram, but God changed it to Abraham, which was a was a father of a multitude. And see, that right there showed Abraham every single day that God's promise was in his face. Every time somebody said, said his name, he had that promise that was in his his face and his heart. He heard it. And so he knew that God was not going to let that go. And so we saw that with Abraham with, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus. John was the, uh, uh, Jehovah is a gracious giver was John, is the, the actual name for John. Jesus' name is, is Yahweh, and, or it's Yeshua, I'm sorry, Yeshua. And Yeshua means Jehovah the salvation. So it was a part of the name of God. It was telling them this is what you're going to do with your ministry. So every time somebody would say Jesus' name, which they didn't say Jesus. Jesus is a is a derivative of a Greek term for that. It, it was Joshua. Joshua. And yes, there were other Joshua's. So Jesus wasn't the only Joshua that was walking around. But it did, every time somebody would say Jesus, they would have to take into an account that... Oh, You know, his name comes along with what he's saying. So not only was it something for him, which Jesus didn't need that, right? Jesus was the son of God. He was talking to the Holy Spirit all the time. More than anybody that has ever talked to the Holy Spirit, Jesus was a part of the Holy Trinity. So he was able to talk to God, so he didn't need to know it, but the other people did. Whenever somebody would say, Jesus is coming, it would basically say, Jehovah's salvation is coming. Because that's what it would sound like. If somebody said, well, Jehovah's going to save us, they would would say Joshua. They didn't have any other term. We, we, We think of names the way that we're given the names, you know. But names actually would be used in sentences that had nothing to do with people. You, you have to understand that they had a complete different mindset. And, and that's something I want you guys to understand is that, you know, it's just like mom looked up my name. You know, it was what, Valiant? Um, or or um, Warrior. Warrior or something like that. So, okay, if that meant something in our, in our society. So if Dustin meant Valiant Warrior, people would walk up and go, Valiant Warrior, how'd you do this week? It's not a matter of, of understanding that, well, that's Heather there, and that's Jenny, and that's Carol, and so on and so forth. They actually tied things to it. We actually talked last week a little bit, their Indian tribe, or the Native American tribes around here, they would actually wait for somebody for a little, that would be like the whole dances with wolves. Well, if a little kid's like, you know, eight, nine months old, and the wolves come up, and he's over there mixing with them, you know, then then he's he's dancing with wolves, right? Well, that's how they would name him. This is the same thing that God's trying to put in our heart is that he wants to name us son. He wants to name us daughter, he wants to name us something that matters. He may name me Pastor. I know he's named me. Engineer. He's named me a lot of different things over the time. People label me with all kinds of stuff. So don't let let people label you and don't label yourself with bad things. See, I used to label myself with ADD and dyslexia. Oh, I'm unable. Well, I would have walked around going, I'm unable. I'm unable. I'm labeling myself in those areas. So... What we're seeing here though is that when we're called according to his purpose, he's actually calling us something, and he's also calling us to do something. Because whenever we're called something, we do that thing. So in this in this one, we're going to talk about uh in, in this week's, we're going to call a called according to your gift. So this week we're going to talk about our gifts. We're going to talk about the gifts that Jesus gives us, the gifts that God gives us, and how those gifts manifest in our lives and how they manifest in the church. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it says there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So this word diversities and difference is the same word used throughout and it means to make a distinction now we used to say to make a distinction to me means a little bit something the way that we in the West talk about differences especially nowadays we all talk about what's the differences in culture what's the difference between white people black people Asian people I mean, we go through and we we talk about differences in all these different ways but it's not how am I different from you? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a distinction. What is something about you that's, because we're all a part of like the human race, right? So, so if we're all a part of the human race, if we're white, black, Hispanic, if we're Asian, whatever it is, we all are a part of the human race. So we have a commonality. But a distinction may be how I grew up. A distinction may be what my job is versus somebody else's job. A distinction doesn't have to do with us being completely separate. And that's what we tend to do in our Western culture is that we say there's differences, there's separation. No, that's not what we mean here. That's why why the Holy Spirit, when he was talking through Paul, wanted to make the distinction between what we have and the Holy Spirit. So here, we have the same Spirit, but we have different callings. We have different gifts, but we're of the same thing. So that makes us just distinct. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not anybody else that's different than Dusty. I've always heard ministers go, there's no one like Dusty. There's no one like Jack. Well, no, there's no one like Jack. (laughs) My dad, there's no, he come from one mold. But this is the thing. We all have distinct purposes, the same spirit. But that doesn't mean that there's not other people that aren't called exactly like you, that act exactly like you, that... That do things exactly like you. See, I want you to understand that this is not trying to separate us. This is trying to show us how we come together as a part of a body. Because each function of a body is different. So here in verse 6 it says, And there are diversities of activities, but in the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To the other is word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To the other, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit work all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So I want you to understand that from a body perspective, I feel like a lot of times we, we, tend, to try to, we tend to try to create this idea that we have to all do the same things, so we believe the same things. I want you to listen to me. Okay? Because you'll, you'll get me wrong here if, if you don't listen good. Okay? I think this is the reason why we have denominations the way that we do. I believe this is the way that we this is the reason why we have such factions amongst Christians is because everybody is trying to carve up belief systems based upon their own gifts. I want you to to take a second and let that sink in. We tend, so the word like and the word love is two different things. Like means that I'm I'm a like someone or I like something in you, that means I want to derive it from someone. It's like Heather, I liked her before I loved her, right? But see, that's not a godly concept. A godly concept is that I choose to love people no matter what. And like is just, you know, I may not be like you. There may be things I don't want to have anything to do with you. Like if you're, if you're a, an alcoholic or if you smoke cigarettes, that might be something that I don't like about you. But love is a different thing. It's a choice. And see, what I want you to understand is that when God, people tend to, to be drawn towards like. We, well, I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm somebody who likes to, to witness, so I need to be around a bunch of people who witness. And I don't go hang out with all the, the weirdo prophet people, right? <laughs> because, I just don't agree with them. I, I don't like it. I don't like it when they sit there and they, they go, "Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but you know what? We have to understand is that basically we have a whole bunch of noses sitting around doing stuff together. And everything smells and stinks to them. But see, we have to understand is that these gifts are as God wills. This, this has to do with us and God. This has nothing to do with me and you. Now, I can use my gift for other people, but God's the one that gives me the gift. I wasn't specially given gifts when I was born. In fact, I want to tell you what, I didn't have the same gifts that I have today when I was born. In fact, Heather's probably the only one here. Maybe Matt was there that time that I taught back probably 10, 15 years ago. It was bad, okay? It was awful. And I thought, nope, I've done found out that that's not what I'm supposed to do. Well, you know what? Was I gifted to do it back then? No, I was not gifted to do it back then. But is God gifting me to do it now? I believe so. I believe that God is continually expanding upon us to give us gifts for the time periods that we need and at His will. Not my will, because before I taught, I thought, I'm about to just show everybody how awesome I am. Well, guess what? I didn't have a gift to give. I was sitting there empty-handed going, who wants to take nothing? Because that's what I was given was nothing. It's because at the time... I was more on the, the, the other side, the ministry of help side. I could play guitar. I could go and I could pick up after some, some thing that happened. But if you wanted to say, hey, teach me the word of God, I was going, I don't even know if I know the word of God. And see, it took God getting me to that point. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. So one of the things before we move on is, you know, we don't choose our gifts, but we can find out which gifts we have. There's two different ways. There's prayer and testing. So we can pray about, hey, God, what what are the gifts that we have? But then there's also testing. Man, the moment that little Jim and them gave me the opportunity to teach. Actually, I think it was Joe that gave me the opportunity to teach. It was right there before Joe left. And I, so Joe gave me this opportunity I tested it, and it came out negative. I mean, you got to understand, I went, that was not for me right now. Actually, I was going, that's not for me ever. And then God was like, yeah, I'm not done with you yet. But as we move down into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, You know, each one of us has these different callings. We have these different purposes. But we tend, like I said, to group ourselves together. We tend to put all the noses together. And we tend to put all the hands together. We tend to put all the feet together. And then we tend to all the mouthpieces go and try to find which nose, hand, and foot group to give. So there's there's one mouthpiece that will go, Hey, I found me a bunch of hands. Let me go over here and talk to them. And usually you find a a mouthpiece that is drawn to the hands, that is drawn to the noses. We see here in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For the body is one and has many members, but all members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have been made to drink of one spirit. It doesn't matter what your class status is. If you're you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. It's all the same spirit. It's all the same body. It doesn't matter. You can be the lowest of low. I own nothing, I'm a slave. Somebody owns me. I and mean, that's what a slave really was, is that I own nothing, somebody owns me. That means that anything I own actually is owned by somebody else. But they're still gifted by God. So those gifts have nothing to do with your class status. It has nothing to do with whether you're free, whether you're a slave, whether anything happens in life, it has to do with this particular spirit of God. And it says here in verse 14, for in fact the body is not one member but many. Oh, well that kind of goes to the fact that we might have a bunch of noses over here in one church and a bunch of hands in another church. And it says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would we hear? If the whole body were hearing, where would we smell? But now God has set the members, each one of of them, the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? think about that if we didn't have a bunch of hands and a bunch of over here in this one church and a bunch of noses over here and a bunch of ears over here and a bunch of this and a bunch of that what if we were all just one body what if you had churches that had the whole body is what he's saying here saying what if you had hands and feet and legs and I mean there's there's always a rear end in the church at least (laughs) one Okay, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're probably going to find in every one of the churches, somehow a rear end came in there. You're right. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand how that works, but but it, there, necessary, though. it, it is necessary, but it's yeah, not wanted. It's It's great to have the whole body, but most people are trying to be like other people. They like to be around a bunch of, if I'm a hand, I like to be around a bunch of hands. Do you know that you need iron to sharpen iron? You need people that can teach you what it looks like on the other side. You know, I was a Ministry of Health person. I did all these different things, and who did I go hang out with? I hung out with Jim McCann IV, little Jim. We'd go in on Fridays for years. I worked I worked four tens all through the week. On Fridays, I would go to the church, and I would help. I would go build stuff, I would go help clean, I would go do that, and I would go hang out with little Jim. And you know what? I saw a mouth. And I was like, you know, there's just something about being a mouth. There's something about being somebody that can that can teach. And so I kind of started gleaning stuff from him. We would talk about the word. We would do things. I became More interested in that. God started leading me to go to Bible school. There was more and more things that started happening. And you know what? I went from being a hand. To God started making me a mouth. You know. Most of the time. We find that. You know. Our call is unique. But it is needed. So at the time it was needed for me. To be a ministry of helps person. They had plenty of mouths, believe me. There was plenty of people that if you gave them opportunity, they would have spoke. In fact, there was more people that would come through the church thinking I've got a a platform. I've got a a pulpit that I can use. There was more people that would come in from an evangelist perspective. There was more people doing all this stuff. I remember Pastor Jim would have evangelists come in. They would speak something. Evangelists in America, they're, they're, they're called the The bombers. They come in, they blow up, and they blow out, okay? And then the pastor is left with destruction that he's got to put back together. I remember there was a lot of We actually talked about several where Pastor Jim the next week would be like, hey, look, this is something that I think we need to talk about because this person said something. I don't think it's in the Word of God. We need to have a discussion about that. Do you know that that is okay? You know, sometimes we need somebody to go, I'm trying to challenge your belief so that I can go back to the Word of God and go, wait a minute, is that really in the Word of God? Do we really understand those things? You know, the church is always better when all the parts work together. You know, if, if you got a bunch of noses, the ones that are walking around, they make that honkins t- <laughs> as they walk. I mean... It just doesn't work as well as if I had a couple feet. You know, we have to know how to be in the body of Christ. We need to know how to to find our part. You know, one of the things that uh, knowing our part is through prayer, passion, and process of trials. You know, sometimes you just sit there and you go, hey, I got to sit down. I got to work through some stuff. Am I good at this? Does what, you know, if if all, I mean, Charlie, how many people would come up to you probably on a given Sunday? Probably several, right? Come up and go, hey, could I sing? Very frequently. We would be in church and somebody would go, you know what? I think I'm called to the praise and worship team. Most of them couldn't sing. And most of them could not sing. You know, I loved watching Charlie, um, you know, squirm (laughs) around that. He'd be sitting there going, (laughs) whoa. Okay, uh, maybe we'll give you a solo on a Wednesday night when no one's here. And I mean, you know, you'd be sitting there trying to, you know, and if you can do that, then we'll talk about doing these other things. Do you know that most people do not need to go to their mama and go, am I talented singer mama? Because you know what, mama's always gonna go, baby, you're really good, you know? And the thing is, is that there's cats clawing their own ears out, you know, to try to, to try to get the sound out of their ears when you sing. But, you know, that's one of the things is that you test it out. You go to people who actually don't care about you. <laughs> and you go, was that okay? You know? I remember going to Jacksonville. Nobody knew me. They didn't care about me. I'd go and I would teach. And there would be mixed reviews, you know? I was just getting started. But there was people like, I remember, um, you know, Mark Howell come up to me and he said, you know what? He goes, you're on the verge. (laughs) You're you're getting there. You're doing good. Do you know that that was encouraging? It wasn't like, hey, man, you're never going to get this. It was, you're on your way to doing what God's calling you to do. And see, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that through those prayer, passion, and trials, we get to kind of get, get a, an idea, oh, this is the right thing for me. You know, playing your part, you know, when you're playing your part, it just, it, it's, it's a part, right? A lot of times people want to be the, I played my part and maybe I was really good at playing guitar back in the day. And it was like, Charlie, you know what? Why don't you just give me five and 10 minute guitar solos? Would that be great? No, Charlie was gonna go, absolutely not. You play your part. <laughs> You're gonna get a solo every once in a while cause it took it, that's what the song wanted. And then I would actually be sitting there going, Charlie, I don't wanna do that piece. And he would go, but that's what it is in the song. You got to do your piece, do your part. You know, and everybody else was like, "Yeah, do your part." See, if if I if I don't do my part, and I want to be the standout, I want to be the standout hand. You know, I, I want I want everybody to see how awesome my hand is. Then what ends up happening is is that. I tend to overshadow the other hands. And then what happens is it makes those hands go, I don't really want to do it anymore. The arm doesn't want to do it anymore, or the fingers, or the whatever it is that's playing their other part. And see, we as Christians, whether we're ministry of helps or not, we all have to do the same thing that a pastor would do. We need to be humble about what our part is. And then never stop listening. This was something that the Lord told me years and years ago. I'm going to change your part. You may think, well, I'm always going to be a hand. I'm always going to be a foot. Well, no. I went from being a really bad teacher to being a better teacher. And I'm going to keep growing in that. But God constantly is talking to me about, can I do this or can I do that? And I, believe me, after I taught that one time, I told Heather, I said, "I that, that set me off that. I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to do those things. And later on, God's going, hey, are you willing to do this? And I'm going, no, I am not willing to do this. And I'm talking about years later. But little by little, God would continue to go, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? And he gave me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity you know what? Little by little, I changed from being a hand to being more of a mouthpiece. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and it says, he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body. So we have people who are a part of the body and then we have people who are a part of what is the edification of the body. Okay? So so I wanted to make a distinction between these because you have what is called the five-fold ministry, right? You have the, the five different ministries that are out there. And so I wanted to make a little bit of a distinction here because we're all called to do stuff. We can be a help. We can We can go out, we can witness, we can do all the the ministry and gift things that God has put in our heart. But then it says he gave some to be some of these other things. Now, I will be honest with you. In the Western world, we've tended to reduce these five-fold ministries down to two. Pastor, teacher. Okay, most churches, I don't know, most of the churches y'all went to we went to a church where we had people who were actually evangelists. They went out, they did stuff. Um, you know, David Dixon was one of them. I remember, uh, you know, he would come to the church and everything. But he was a street preacher, and he went out and did the stuff on the street. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that some churches might have an apostle, or they might have a bishop or they might have somebody that's out here. But what I want you to understand is usually those are titles that have very little to do with their job. It was just, well, I decided I was going to be Apostle Dusty today. But what you have to understand is that, no, God gave gifts. Now, do some people work in multiple of these gifts? Absolutely. Do some of these people work in all of these gifts. I've known people who have worked in all of these gifts at some point in time in their life because we see here in this scripture that this has the same exact thing to do with the other gifts in the body. It's as God wills. And it says here, till we all come to the unity of faith, verse 13 out of Ephesians 4, 13, it says, till we've all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ for whom the whole body joint is knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective work by which every part does share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So these fivefold ministry does a particular thing. They're helping to grow the church. They're helping to keep bad doctrine out. They're helping to lead people to their part in the ministry because it says that we're jointed and knit together by what every joint supplies. So we have to understand that God Himself is putting ministry gifts to help each body member, each body part. Now, everybody has to be their own part, everybody has to do their own thing. But there are certain people who have been called to do one of the five. <clears throat> when I was in school, I'd heard about this before. I think some of Pastor Jim may have mentioned it or something, but it wasn't really taught a lot. But this was actually a part of one of the classes. It talked about the hand of ministry. And I was like, oh, well, this thing called the hand of ministry, well, what is it? And so they would say, well, you've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So the thumb is like an apostle. Uh, basically, an apostle is somebody who is kind of like a trailblazer. He goes out, he starts churches, he does different things. But he tends to not be the pastor. He doesn't stay very long. So what he does is he, he's like a thumb. He works with all the other fingers to get them established. And so without a thumb, it's very hard to grip something, right? So the apostle is kind of the thing that grips everything together you know the pointer finger is like a prophet he points the way of where god's leading this is not like future telling we you know this is not like fortune telling future telling any of that kind of stuff he's pointing the way of where god is leading so it's not a matter of you know like back in the old testament elisha we talked about him he would say something was going to happen and it would happen right? And it was based upon his own calling. Well, this is a little bit different. The the prophets nowadays are not not the only one in the church that's able to go and do something. So they're basically pointing to the rest of the body and going, this is how we're going to go and do. Now the whole body becomes the, the outcome of what the prophets used to Because we're all supposed to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation, go out and witness to people, go out and heal the brokenhearted and do those things. But the prophet kind of points and says, well, we're kind of going in this direction because that's where God's taking us. The middle finger is the California howdy, okay? It's when you're riding down the road and somebody cuts you off, you say, bless you in the name of Jesus. No, that's not what it is. The middle finger is the evangelist, and it's out front. It's further out in front of everybody else. It's like teaching the gospel. It's going out and being a part of, you know, people are drawn to usually evangelists. True evangelists, I think of somebody like Todd White. That man will get 15 people saved by the end of this hour. I mean, he's that good at it. Do you know, I've been out and done these street things and went out all day long for days and days and days and maybe have seen one person saved in a whole week. And it was like, I think they were just trying to get away from me. So they prayed a prayer. But this guy actually is anointed to go out ahead of everybody else and to go and draw those people in. The ring finger is the pastor, the shepherd. And he's that person that leads and, and protects and nurtures. Now, this is not based in a lot of science, okay? I've actually looked this up. So it used to be said that the, the ring finger was connected to the heart, specifically. Well, all other blood vessels are connected to the heart, okay? So let's, I'm not going to go there, but it used to be thought that the ring finger had a specific vein that went directly from the ring fingers to the heart. But taking that into an account, the ring finger is also a symbol of what for a marriage? Mm -hmm. Unity. It's a symbol. I'm holding my ring up right now for those listening. And I am unified with Heather from now until the day I die. Okay? This, this is the same thing with a pastor. The pastor hooks himself in and nurtures people. He is, he is the heart blood of a church. And then finally, the little finger, which is the smallest in size, but it's actually one of the most important because the ring finger is the teacher and the teacher is the one that stabilizes. You know, they actually said years ago, if you were fighting with a sword and you didn't have your pinky, that you were unable to actually hit a mark. Like they would sit there and say, chop wood or or hit something in one spot. Well, your pinky finger is what guides and turns everything on an axis so that you can actually hit the same spot every single time. Without your pinky fingers, you're just kind of like swinging. There's not a whole lot of stability that happens. But a teacher is somebody that actually trains disciples And helps other people find their gifts. So you can have a prophet. You can have somebody that says, thus saith the Lord we're going to go and we're going to do. And then everybody goes, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And he goes, that's not my problem. I don't teach people. (laughs) The teacher comes up and goes, okay, you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus and you need to know what you need to do in the body of Christ. That's the beauty of the teacher. How do we do this? Where do we fit? How do I get more of this testing? So a couple of years ago, Pastor Brad Holloman, uh, Life of Faith North, we did all these um, spiritual gift tests. Okay. In fact, everybody write this down: gifts.test.com. G-I-F-T-S. Test.com. It is basically like 60-something questions that you answer. It goes from never to always. So there's five different categories. Never, sometimes never, you know, somewhere in the middle, and then, you know, it goes all the way up to always. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring out is that there's 22 areas that that they pull out. There's 22 areas that they they that they will highlight for you: Uh, administration, apostleship, craftsmanship, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercession, word of knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, pastor slash shepherd, prophecy, service, teaching, tongues and interpretation, and words of wisdom. So. I took this test back in 2017 and I took the test the other day. And I will let you know that this test is not going to tell you that you're a pastor. This test is not going to tell you you're a prophet. This test is not going to tell you anything other than these are the things that God has on your heart or that is a passion that is inside of you. So, all it is is just trying to highlight what you already know about yourself and put it in terms that you can see. Does that make sense to everybody? I don't want people to go take this test and go, "Well, it told me that I'm a, you know, it told me that I'm tongues and interpretation of tongues and I don't know what that means." No. That's not a that's not an area. Okay? That just means that that's important to you. Okay, that, that has some significance to you and that helps you to go, huh, maybe I'm a prayer warrior. Maybe I'm somebody that can pray for people and interpret things that I need to pray in tongues and then I get an interpretation and maybe I go and talk with them about it. Maybe I get a word of wisdom for someone. So I took this test back in 2017 and I the five things, one through five, was healing, teaching, discernment, giving, and leadership. Okay, what did I do back in 2017? I was a co-pastor, associate pastor, okay? So, I and even to this day, if somebody says, I'm, I'm hurting or there's some sort of problem, they, and if they don't want prayer, they don't need to be around me. Because I'll always go, can I pray for you? and I'll teach them how, how they can get healed. That was important to me, still is. But that was something that if you notice, healing, teaching, discernment, giving and leadership. Well, giving was probably 15 years ago was probably my biggest minister of helps. I was the first to give everything. In fact, we gave so much that it did hurt. I mean there would be times where i would be like man now i don't have enough to be able to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and god would come through but my point is is that i believe that over the years if i had answered these questions that you would have seen you would have seen some of these things change just like we see now 2017 i had healing teaching discernment giving and leadership well 2021 just a few days ago My number one is teaching now. My number two is healing. So those flip-flopped, right? Discernment stayed number three. But then my last two basically just flew out the door. So the giving and leadership, because, you know, I'm not going to be a leader and I'm not going to give anymore. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to do miracles and faith. That's the two that, that came in. But now I'm doing teaching, healing, discernment, miracles, faith. Well, I want you to know that my focus has not went away from leadership or from giving. So I still give. I still provide leadership when I can. But what's happened is is that because I've become a pastor, because I'm looking at the church, the way that the things that are on my heart that as I'm reading a question and I answer and it's be very careful not to sit there and overthink it just think about it as you're doing it but it pulls out some stuff that I go that that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense that faith has now become a top five for me now I'm having to actually live this ministry out through faith a lot more because this has to do with your spiritual life right I'm not sitting here thinking about this in the context of can I pay my bills. I'm thinking about how do I do things for the Lord. And so faith, wow, faith has become more of a, a, I've been leaning on the supernatural gift of faith through Christ Jesus more and more and more. Because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I'm learning every single day and more and more that I get taught. That faith is something that I'm leaning on, that I'm I'm seeking out, that I'm trusting. So all this is trying to show you is that there are some areas that are on your heart that when you go answer those questions, they pop out. And you go, ah, well, how do I use those? Well, for me, teaching, healing, I'm going to continue to pray for people. I'm going to teach the Word of God the way I've been doing. Discernment. Discernment has stayed a solid three for the last, like, four years. I tend to walk into situations, I mean, and we, people will have conversations or there'll be things that happen, and I end up having some discernment about it. I end up being able to tell whether or not something's true or false. In fact, mom and I have had conversations where mom says, what do you think about this? And the Lord just pops it in my mind, and I go, You might want to hold back on that. You might want to go and pray a little bit more about that because I don't know if that's really going to be the truth. Back when the pandemic was happening, everybody thought the military was about to take over. You remember that stuff? We'd be sitting there. We had people from Life of Faith calling us high up. There was other people that were from other churches that I knew that would go, what do you think about this? Could the military come in and lock us all down? And I said, I don't know. Let me pray about it. And the Lord said... Don't worry about it. So I started telling people, I don't really know about that, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal. And so we didn't flip out. I didn't go buy, you know, 40 pallets of toilet paper. We were able to, you know, wipe our rear ends just just fine during the whole (laughs) pandemic. But I didn't go and buy, you know, 100 packs of toilet paper because I discerned that, hey, the Lord's going to take care of us. This is going to be okay. Now, it's completely different in certain areas. I was, like, really shocked when things shut down. But these are just some areas, and it gives you kind of a little bit, if you look at, at my gifts test here, it gives you a definition of what, like, teaching is, uh, discernment, you know, faith, miracles, all that. So when you go through it, it's going to give you the same exact uh, results. Take it with a grain of salt. Look at it. to say, okay, Those are the things that are on my heart. How do I utilize those to do the ministry God is calling me to do? Because a lot of times the gifts and the things that are on your heart are the things that God's going to say, use those in order to affect others. And finally, our calls and our gifts make us a part of this family. So our first calling is what Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 7 says. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Do you know that we tend to have a measure of this gift? And we, we, you know, we look at maybe somebody... I mean, just right now, I'm not asking you to blurt it out, but you think of ministers that you think are really awesome, that maybe on TV or you've had in the past that you thought, man, those people really taught me some stuff. And you might think, well, they were super gifted. Well, they were given a measure according to what they could handle. They were given a measure according to to where Jesus thought they needed to be. And those gifts and those callings and, and the things that they were doing were not things that stretched them beyond their measure. It was a measure that they used. So if somebody comes up to you and says, well, you're, you know, well, mom, Jenny, if you've got a You know, if you're supposed, if you're an evangelist and somebody goes, you're called to Africa and you're going, that goes beyond my measure. It stretches me beyond my boundaries. Then you go, okay, thank you. I'll set that on a shelf. And maybe one day the Lord goes, I'm going to continue to expand you and I'm going to make your measurement bigger. Maybe that's something that happens. But don't take whatever it is and say, oh, well, if it says I'm a pastor on here, then that means that I got to go and start a church. No. Do you notice that in mine, it didn't have pastor at all? Because pastor has nothing to do with church. Now I have, I put a title of pastor on me but I don't need to, I don't need to be like a, a pastor where I'm gathering a bunch of people together and just, that, that are, that are in issues. Because I have somewhat, I mean, in, in everybody, I mean, maybe some people that come across our, our podcast or whatever is not mature enough to be able to handle it. But a pastor is really somebody that is taking his flock in and protecting them. Now, guess what? If something started happening, if the world started going crazy or whatever, and I started having to go out and protect my flock, that's what I would do. And then that would become more important and it would probably come up in my list. But the things that the Lord's putting on my heart right now is teaching and healing and discernment and and faith and, and miracles and all these other things just because it is something that That is on my heart. I don't have to go and protect Charlie all the time. But there may be somebody that comes into the church that I have to actually shepherd. I have to protect. I have to to spend more time with. I have to do some things to try to help them. And that would be a part of the pastor. But it's not. Pastor does not mean I start a church. Okay. Okay pastor is just a part of the fivefold ministry gifts that I may do it may be that I mean mom tells me about the people that come to her during her work and she talks with them mom's more of a pastor than i am i'm going to be honest with you there's people that come to mom and they have issues and things that they that they want to talk about and mom helps them and, and helps to create um, you know a safe space for them. Do you know that being a pastor is a is something that each one of us could have with each person with people that come across our path. Did you have something you wanted to say? okay but this is just one of those things that I wanted everybody to understand is that those graces are a gift of God. See grace is nothing more than a gift that was given. In fact, you know, we see that here that everybody gets this measure and I pull out Romans 12.1. I use it a lot because it's, you know, it's, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, that you may not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that uh, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. You know, have you ever seen a scale? You know, you got one side and you put, you put a weight on this side of the scale and then you can put a weight on the other side and you can see, does it measure up, Right. Well, God gave us a measure, put it on the side of the scale, and and now when we have a doubt, sometimes doubts come and they try to outweigh that measure. Well, you know what? That's all it is, is that God gave us grace, we believe in that grace, that gift. And then when doubts try to come against us, that measure of faith, that faith of a mustard seed that can move mountains. Well, if I have faith of a mustard seed and I have doubt of a mustard seed, I may be okay. But if I start having doubts of a can of Coke, well, then now I can't move that mountain. But if I get rid of the doubt, if I believe what God says, if I do the things that God's telling me to do and I have no doubts, I have no resistance. You know, resistance is the biggest thing. we got electricity. Do you know that resistance is heat and heat will melt things? And the more that we have resistance in in our system, the more it starts to dim our light. And that's all faith is, is faith is uninhibited belief in God's grace. It's uninhibited belief in the gifts that God has given us. You know, faith without doubting is when we have this transformation. When my mind is renewed and when my and I start to transform into the into the things God has for me. At the end of that that faith, when I start doing it, when I start believing it, when I start living it, that's when you know you have been transformed. You know, our ultimate calling is to be in the image of God's family. Do you know that just being somebody, being a part of the Cornelius family, being a part of uh, being an Alabamian, being whatever it is, the more I live and I know the, the rules, the regulations, the gifts, the callings, the everything about all of the labels that have been put on my life, I know how to use them. I know how to be a Cornelius. I've been one for 40, almost 44 years come this month. I know, I know exactly what to do in order to take dad off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can do it every single time. Mm-hmm. I know how to take mom off, but I also have learned the other way. I know how to make them happy. And so at the end of all that, I know how to navigate the waters. See, that's what being a son is, is knowing how to navigate through life as the person that God has called you to be. I don't compromise my beliefs. I don't compromise the way things are. I live freely as the person God has called me to be. You know what? God has called you to be the same way. You can live without, without fear and without strife and without doubt. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Amen. Did y'all learn something today? Yes. Amen.